welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Sometimes moaning as well. And, you know, we were just having a little bit of a... No, sorry. Did I say moaning? I meant discussing. And we were just discussing leaseholds, Simon. And we thought, why not hit the record button and and send our thoughts out to the world like 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 any normal people do? That... <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Were you suggesting we're normal? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, far from it. We're, we're in property, so we can't be... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're glutton for punishment, I think, is, uh, is, is the, the phrase there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm interested because you were going to start telling me about your story around leaseholders. So I'm quite keen to interest, to hear that. And, and I'm sure that the, uh, the listening audience is too. So can you shed some light on, on, on your leasehold experience? Yes. Yeah, so going back, I know. Oh my goodness, I'm far too old. Uh, going back 20 years, maybe? 20 ish years. I was looking at um, buying property. Uh, I had bought my, my first one, which was for, for me to live in and rent out rooms. And then I was looking at what I might do next. I think I've mentioned on here previously, but my parents are also uh, property investors. And I was obviously talking to them about it. And I had been looking at flats, so obviously leasehold, looking at those particularly because they're a slightly lower investment and the yeah. the rents. So if you buy a, a two-bed flat versus a two-bed house, um, the investment's a bit lower. The rent also a bit lower, but not as much. So sort of the returns often look a little bit better on flats. Of course, leasehold, does involve a little more ongoing cost, but the assumption is that that's relatively small. I would assert a lot more, but let's come back to that. <laughs> um, so I was all in favour of flats. I was all in favour of leasehold as a, a more accessible way to to expand a portfolio. And this just 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 for clarity, this is when you were young, you were fresh, you were. You're new into property. You're excited by the prospect. Uh, and um, lacking experience, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> it's okay. I'm happy to uh, to add in that, uh, well, as we'll discover, important detail. <laughs> uh, so I had lots of discussions with my parents about this. As it turns out, I didn't buy a flat. However, my parents did. <laughs> Um, so my learnings on this are, are sort of secondhand, but I do feel a little bit responsible for for some of this <laughs> um, because my parents, I think, I think they ended up buying two flats, and one of them hasn't been too bad, but the other one turned out to be in a, a block that then needed quite significant shared repairs. I think in this case, this was on balconies um, as sort of concrete balconies that the the reinforcements needed redoing or, or fixing in some way so did we were you rec- did you recommend these properties to your parents had you found selected them thankfully i don't have quite that level of guilt to no. know okay. <laughs> um I, I was just the one promoting the general idea of, of flats and, and leasehold uh, as a as an investment path right 
Um, so these the, these two flats were, were, were purchased, um, and they if you if you just look at them as basic sort of uh, return on investment on that, excluding these bigger costs, they've been quite good properties. They're um, they're, they're in good areas. They rent well. Um, the, the tenants are generally fairly good. The income from them has been quite consistent. The problem is that they've had, or one of them at least, has had a large leaseholder bill to to repair this um, sort of structural problem. Sounds familiar. And furthermore, because it's a reasonably large block, lots of leaseholders, uh, then or rather the, the person responsible for sorting it all out, also has the added problem that some of the leaseholders then can't be reached or refuse to pay or don't have the money to pay. And you then end up with a whole heap of extra hassle rather than just the monetary problem. Yeah. And and it's just, or it has been, or it would, sorry, it turned out to be, I think, it's, I think it's all over now. It turned out to be a, a multi-year expense and headache. Oh, that um, that I do feel slightly responsible for. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I don't really like leaseholds anymore. <laughs> and and while that wasn't directly my lesson, uh, as I learned it, it obviously I, I was quite close to to that experience as it was happening. And thankfully, that did happen quite a while ago. And and I have never actually got into the the leasehold experience. I've stuck with stuck with freeholds. And uh, and I'm, I'm quite uh, quite pleased that is the case. Um, yeah. that, that is, of course, what my my parents were advocating all along. Um, so, uh, did, so yeah, did the pithers remind parents. you remind you frequently of this? No, no, they're, they're very good about it. Actually, they, just once um, a year. Yeah, just just now and then they bring up how how awful the experience was and the uh, the, the the costs involved, and uh, that they don't actually blame me. Well. Obviously, I'm sure they do internally, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they just, don't don't vocalise the blame. They just 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 mention <laughs> the, uh, the the terrible experiences every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know because you and I do different things in property, and that's 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 why uh, it's quite interesting for us to chat, whether on air or off air. But on this on this particular subject, I think I, I came round to that probably a, a long time after you, but having owned leasehold property for well best part of 15 years I, I can I can now fully subscribe to that point of view as well I think what I would preempt that by saying is that, that the thing about leasehold is that like everything else I think if you're willing to solve the problems that there, there will be value but with leasehold you, you've got to accept that there will be problem stroke challenges so my experience was, and I'm I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast, but so the, the studio flat that we, that we mentioned recently, which is for sale, before we did that two years ago, the the lease was it was approaching seventy years. So I think I think that's the magic number, isn't it? Where once you go under seventy, then it all gets a bit. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if you'd ever been through a, a lease extension, and it sounds like you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you can see the pain etched on my face and the, in the greyness of my hair. That that extension costs over twenty grand. From memory, I think about twenty two, and you know that's that's a significant amount of money. So, 
I think, you know, the learning was for me, well, we, we'd had that property 15 years. So, of course, when it's 80 plus, we're not even thinking about it. But it is clearly something now I would now think about going into it. I think the point you made, which is a really good one as well. So I do own a share of freehold, which I think is is better. Yep. Uh, well, on this property, because there's only four, four, uh, four flats. So there's, there's only four of us. But the point you've just made, I think, is a really good one to call out, which is because in, in, in the other flat that I mentioned on, on a podcast last week is, you know, there's 20, there's 20 owners. And like you've said, not everyone's going to live in the property. A lot of them will be investors or, or a number of them will be investors like us. So if you've got problems to sort out, you know, the more, the more freehold, the more sort of leaseholders, the, the more challenging it becomes, not just financially, but actually emotionally and logistically getting it done. Um, so, so anyway, the first thing, you know, which really eroded my like of, of the, uh, of, of leasehold was, you know, 22K, if, if you're buying an investment property, the likelihood is, well, certainly in my case, I hadn't factored in a cost of 22 grand. I'm interested, actually, when you, when you have to extend a lease and you need to find money like 22 grand, are there options for sort of remortgaging to, to gain that capital or, or do you? Is it just assumed that you've saved up, ready for a, a lease extension? Do you know much about the, the options around that? I mean, obviously, I don't know how you funded that, but um, yeah, did, did you have to look at finance? The short answer to that is yes, absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't live a lifestyle while I have, where I have um, yeah, sort of cash in my pockets or, or sloshing around. I know most of us don't. I'm being flippant, but no, all of the money we had is going into things. So it would have come out of a property, a another property. To answer your question, I think it all depends on the. I would, I would imagine, I don't know, but I would imagine that you couldn't remortgage the property on which you want to extend the lease for that purpose. But let's just say, and as long as it's not approaching that, and I, and I believe it's seventy, you know, because the closer you get to that seventy, the more difficult it gets. But let's just say you wanted to put a new kitchen and bathroom in that property, you could remortgage, and then let's say put that money towards a lease extension as well you might want to do that maybe i looked at that <laughs> and so but so so i think if, if you're remortgaging that property provided it still with, sits within the bank's criteria so and again this it all sits with the banks because some banks might not like things under 80 mm. depends on a survey depends on the property you know, we're very fortunate, and I'm not going to sell the property again. But because of the the, the location and, and the property itself, it's it's and the fact it's always been rented. You know, the bank's usually been fairly amenable to to, to remortgaging. In fact, it has been remortgaged a number of times that property. Yeah, and I suppose that's the case, isn't it? Just as you own it over time. So if you if you own it for a while before you need to extend the lease then you're going to hopefully have some equity in that to be able to remortgage. So that could potentially then fund a new kitchen and, and a lease extension. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've just got to say that because I'd be I'd be extremely surprised if a bank would allow you to do that because I'm just trying to think how that works because you're because what happens is when you extend the lease, and I'm just trying to think this through, obviously when you extend the lease, you're, you're, you're the, the existing value will either be retained or increased slightly. So... You've got to then get the survey for the remortgage, but anyway, we're we're, we're uh, heading down a path which has just got me thinking. But um, 
but we don't need to go down. The other thing is obviously when we talk about lease, leases. So, so again, that's a 22K cost. And even if you amortize that over a 10 year period, we're, we're talking, you know, two grand a year. And if I look at the rent we've made, the, the property itself would have probably broken even. The fact that we've remortgaged a few times is what saves the property. However, as far as I'm concerned, that isn't an investment criteria. I don't base it. That's, that's a that's a bonus of this type of investment for me is being able to get capital out to do something else with. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to really rely on that though, isn't it? Because it's it's a lot less predictable. It's a lot less predictable. My model typically is buying a property. Of course, this is the model everyone well, most people want to follow is I, I buy a property hopefully under a market value, add significant value to it, and then refinance to get that money out. The point, I guess, we're, we're coming to on this is, is leasehold gets tougher. So the lease on the, the Croydon property we talked about, that's, that's, that's a long lease. few challenges with that, as, as, as we shared on the last episode, so I'm not going to get into all of those. But the, the cost of the cladding works had to be split between 20 leaseholders. That has added significantly to the value, to the price of the service charge. And that's the other thing. So the, so the other little flat's got a service charge. Most leasehold flats will have a service charge or a, mm-hmm. gra- and, a and a ground rent. And there may be another charge in there, which um, for property management could be. So all of the things, uh, and just to our conversational point around leasehold, so you're paying for all of those things. So whether it's a four flat house or a 20 flat building, both of which I've got, you're paying for the upkeep of all of that just like everything else you know for the halls to be cleaned for the communal areas to be cleaned for the painting to be done for the cladding works so all of that has to be taken into consideration and the issues that have come out of it for me have led me to not liking <laughs> leaseholds and it was because of all of these added challenges i'm doing air quotes you know the added challenges however the flip side of that i would say is that those challenges do present opportunities because not everyone's going to want to solve those problems. So we bought the one bed flat for a, for a, let's say a reasonable price. The, the bank's revaluation following the works we have done is 50% greater than what we purchased the property for. So that's significant value increase. Yep. However, we have, as part of that value increase, we had to take on the problems of the cladding, the additional, the service charge, which is absolutely exorbitant. (laughs) We've got to fund that. When it all comes out, provided we don't sell it for cash, we we should be in a, provided we don't have to sell it too low, we we should be in a a good position. But Mm -hmm. so I I think for for those reasons, like you, you know, I've come around to leasehold will be at the bottom of my pile of prospective properties from now on. Share of freehold, possibly. But leasehold. So um, the masonette that you've been looking at buying, um, how, how's that going? <laughs> I nearly swore at you there. That <laughs> that is actually, hmm. I believe. Oh God, I wish you, you should tell me these things. I'm doing my. Re- it's a reverse freehold. Don't ask me what that means, please. But no, I don't know. <laughs> essentially, there's only two properties on that on that in that property. There's only two properties on that on that freehold. So there is no service charge. 
there's no ground rent. There is just the two of us to talk about things if, if and when we need to. So um, okay, I need to swear it because <laughs> because it's a good question. It's a good question, but no, but that that was a reason. So I would look at masonettes, but masonettes are typically single store, uh, single residential buildings. In in my experience of where someone's converted a a previous single residential dwelling into yeah. multiple years. I had a look at a um, well, effectively a flat um, a while ago. Must have been a couple of years ago, actually. Quite maybe even longer. But anyway, I had a look at a um, a ground floor flat that came with the freehold for the building. So there was a there's only two flats as you sort of mentioned because it was a converted building, and the uh, the upper floor was a had been sold as a, a leasehold flat, and the the ground floor flat which I was looking at uh, came with the the freehold for the whole building. Which, which I thought was sort of an interesting way of doing it. So if I'd, I was only looking at it because it was a freehold. It had the freehold, mm. but then it came with this sort of responsibility for looking after the uh, the re- the whole building, including bits that you you obviously didn't have access to, including sort of the roof, for example, which you didn't have access to because it was only available through the the upper floor for yeah. flat. Um, and one of the challenges in this particular building was that it wasn't in a very good state of repair. Um, and I, I asked the the agent, "What's the current situation with the with the leaseholder and and management fees and things?" And they were a little non-committal, but they were fairly certain that there were no service charges, no no fees being paid at all by by the leaseholder of the the upper floor flat. So for for somebody. That was probably quite a good challenge to take on. I, I decided against it, but um, um, but I think that's that there, there are so many sort of odd little intricacies and oddities with with leaseholds that you you really do need to be aware of of what you're getting before you get, go in for things. Really, yeah. You you just got me thinking about two things. Firstly, so so, the, so there's one property where there's four of us that. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier. So there's four of us that that own flats in the property. Now we could have self-managed that, but for the reasons you've mentioned, I mean, I, I don't want to get involved if, if a roof tile falls off or if the hallway carpet goes into dis- disrepair. It's not something that interests me. It's not why I got into property. And fortunately, the other three owners feel the same. In fact, at least two of them live in the properties and, and they're really nice properties. So we have outsourced that. So you can you can pay for managing agents to do that as well. Of course, you're going to pay for a fee on top of that. And that will get factored into, you know, potentially the, the, the well, it gets factored into the revenue you will make for the property. And the, the thing, I think, to bring this around, so both you and I have come out to the other side where we're, we're reversed. Well, you're, you're completely averse to leasehold. I am highly now averse to leasehold, but that is because I'm, I'm in the process of selling two that have, not causing problems, but have been challenging and, and, you know, have a lot more problems than the point I was going to make around that is, I guess, as investors, it, it's just around those the problems that you want to solve. So I quite like solving the problem of the five bed house I've got, making that into a really nice communal uh, co-living 
you know, high quality property. I like solving those problems and I like how do I turn this into something nice? How do I, you know, we're, we're talking about how we get the waste from one room to another. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't excite me. But what does is how we're designing around that and how we're getting on suite. For somebody else, solving that leasehold problem, getting the lease extended might be the thing that, that gets you going. You know, the title split for me, for example, title, title splitting, it's, it's, it's administrative burden. It's, it's all of these things. However, so I know some people quite enjoy that stuff. So, yeah, I suspect also if you, if you decide to make that your every day, you get really good at it. Hmm. And then it doesn't become quite such a burden because you know exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and you just get on. And it's easy. Yeah. Whereas for, for you, you do it once in a blue moon, it's a new experience. It's it's painful. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas, as you say, being creative and creating your new co-living property, it's uh, it's much more interesting and and exciting to to do that, even on a on a one-off basis. Even though I I know you you want to do it more than once, um, but uh, it's it's a different, as you say, it's a different sort of thing to target, isn't it? A different sort of challenge yeah. to solve, and where you want to spend your time. Yeah. And I, for me, I always come back to it with leaseholds. And, and it's like we were saying before the podcast that we, we assume that everyone has the same knowledge we do just because it's in our heads. And it's a bit like when you look at properties, you think, oh, everyone will be interested in this property because of X or Y. But that's not the case, because I might now look at a leasehold property and go, hmm, although it's a nice property, it might give us what we need. I kind of, it's only got 80 years left. And I know that in eight years time, I'm going to have to solve that problem. But you know, that might be factored into the asking price. We don't know. However, even so, I might move on, whereas the next investor might go, hmm, do you know what? I can solve that problem. I'll, I'll get that done. I'll extend that lease. I'll have increased the value and off I move, whereas I'll, I'll be less inclined to do so. So it's, I guess it's down to what what people want, what what stage of, what stage they're at or or, or what they, they want to do. Yes, indeed. The the property that my brother and I are, are currently selling in, in Brighton, it's on a big plot. It's a detached house. And we think one of the possible um, sort of future approaches for the plot could be to knock that house down and build at least two, maybe even a terrace of three houses in that space. We've currently got it on, on the market as a, as a house for someone to, to live in. And it's a lovely house. It's got lots of history to it as well. It used to be a, a it used to be the station master's house for a train station, which was obviously next door, but no longer exists anymore. We, or I at least anyway, was thinking perhaps we should retain the property and um, go through the planning process and then maybe sell it, or even go through the planning process and then do the build ourselves. And then you come around to, to looking at this and thinking, we don't have any experience in this. It would be interesting to learn. But do we really want to put the energy and time into that particular learning experience? I don't think that going down the, the sort of uh, investment for planning gain or investment for rebuild mm. is something that we want to do long term. Um, I mean, it's certainly not something my brother wants to do long term. Um, I don't think it's even something I want to do long term, even though I am a little bit interested in in that sort of area of things. So you just have to have to pick your challenges and yes perhaps we could 
um, dramatically increase the value of the, the plot by getting planning permission or or even building three new houses and then maintaining it as as a longer term investment perhaps but that's just not our challenge for today i think um and you other people will have other preferences other someone else will look at that and think this is a fantastic house i love the history i'm going to buy it and live in it for the rest of my life other people will look at it and think you know what that's a terrible house. I'm going to knock it down and I'll build a block of five flats on there. <laughs> so it's a completely different approach to, to what I had. Um, and and they will, will make a, a tremendous amount of money doing that. It's, yeah, it's just different people, different thoughts in their heads, different experiences, uh, willing to take on different challenges. Yeah, yeah. And I think just, just people at different stages of the journey because I, I was just thinking about, I, I did that. I did actually get planning on a property to, to sell. In fact, we were going to get planning on it for, for myself but it took too long, but that's, that's another podcast. Um, and, and I think as people grow that towards what they want to do. So I, I looked at doing new builds for a while because it's quite interesting and you know, there's money to be made, but I've looked at it and, and there were just elements of it. I, I think at this stage, I can't, I can't ever say never, but immediately when you talk about yours, I'm like, mm, that's a good idea. Maybe we should find out how, what that, what that planning would add. But Yep. And there'll be some people that have been through it just go, well, it's just really simple, Simon. You just submit it. And yes, it's going to take time. It'll, put, it'll take X amount of time, but that's that's the process. But if you've got no internal desire to do it, you know, life's too short to, to do it just because other people think you should. Indeed. So in conclusion, um, everyone should buy freehold unless yep. they want to buy the two flats that you're selling. Yes? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's be clear they've both got really long leases so i've paid for a really long lease so it's a really long lease property and the other one's got hundreds of years on it as well so happy happy days and you will have sorted out the cladding costs so uh, so they won't have to worry about that so exactly uh, it's just i've been through the pain so that the, the purchasers don't have to that's that's the thing that's what we do as property investors we take the pain away from other people Yep, you've solved the problems already. There you go. Right, so uh, on that happy note, do you want to take us out, Stuart? Yeah, so <laughs> as always, hope you've really enjoyed the episode. If you have, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get the message out there. For any of the show notes and all of the conversations that we've had that we feel is pertinent, we'll put it on thebusinessofproperty.com. And on that, we'll see you next time. 